Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so excited to have Jaden Hare from Steamy Kitchen joining me on the show today. Steamy Kitchen is a family food blog. Well, it's actually a lot more than that. With nearly a thousand recipes, tons of cooking tips and how-to videos, not to mention three cookbooks, Jaden's family blog is the family business. Jaden is also the co-founder of Food Blog Forum, an annual event for food bloggers, and she's been featured in numerous bestsellers, including one of my favorites, Chris Gillibo's The $100 Startup. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jaden. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. So we're going to talk about food today, right? Yeah, absolutely. My favorite thing and possibly your favorite thing too, yeah? Of course. Oh my gosh, would I be in any other business, right? Right. Well, Jaden, why don't we start from the very beginning? Where did the idea for Steamy Kitchen come from? Okay, I grew up in North Platte, Nebraska. So I'm Chinese. I'm from Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong. So like the food capital of the world, right? And when I was four, we moved, we immigrated to the United States and we ended up in the middle of nowhere. It was like the smallest of all small towns called North Platte, Nebraska. And we lived there until I was 10 years old. And, you know, we're kind of like in this little strange food area where it's all about beef and cattle and, you know, Midwestern food. So there were no Asian restaurants nearby that came close to anything that I was experiencing in Hong Kong or anywhere in Asia. And we had to go drive all the way to like Denver, Colorado to go to the Asian market, which was like hours and hours away. And so that's the kind of environment that I grew up. And then we moved to California, luckily, and I got exposed to amazing, amazing, all different types of food, not just Asian food. So long story short, when I got married, my husband and I decided to move to a small town in Florida because it was one near the ocean, it was near the Gulf of Mexico, it was affordable, unlike in California where you can't even afford a one-bedroom apartment. But in Florida, we wanted to start a family, so we moved to this small town, and when we got here, we bought a home, and I looked around like, oh my gosh, where are my Asian restaurants? Where's my Chinese restaurant? Where are my markets? And I just realized... I need to do something about this because, you know, I was getting really homesick. Well, it turns out that right in town, there was this restaurant called Bangkok, Tokyo. So I went in, you know, waiting for my to-go order. And I overheard this lady sitting at the sushi bar with her beautifully manicured nails and her Gucci handbag. And she's like, oh, I'm having sushi at the Chinese restaurant. Come join me. I'm thinking sushi at the Chinese restaurant. This is so weird. This is so strange. And first of all, this is Bangkok, Tokyo. And don't, you know, Bangkok and Tokyo are not in China. And so I got really upset. And my husband's like, okay, you can get upset about it, but we're not moving. So you've got to find something to do about it. And so I started teaching cooking classes at a local cooking school. And I started teaching people the difference between fish sauce and soy sauce and the difference between Laotian food and Chinese food. And it wasn't just all oriental recipes or oriental food and that not all stir fries are sweet and sour with a goopy sauce. And that's how the blog started. It's been eight years now, almost exactly eight years old. Wow. Congratulations on that. Thank you. How did it evolve into a business? Like when did you know that, hey, this can be something that I can work on and sort of make it my career? 
really early on, within three months of starting the food blog, I said, you know, I would love to make this a full-time business. If I was going to create a business, this would be it. And back then, eight years ago, blogs weren't businesses. And there was no such thing as, you know, social media. There was no such thing as, you know, creating an online business. You know, very few and far between. So I said, well, there's got to be a way. What if I applied basic business principles and marketing savviness into a food blog? And let's see where I take this. So that's how I started SteamyKitchen.com as an actual business. I designed it specifically as a family business. And within six months, I got a book deal. I was offered a book deal. So it happened really fast. It was a combination of one, you know, I'm awesome. I'm a business and marketing rock star. I know my stuff. I know how to sell. I know how to create and design a business. That was part of the equation. The other part of the equation was just, you know, great luck and timing. I mean, this was right when the blogs were just starting to come up. So I was, you know, one of the early ones. Well, and I think you missed also one other ingredient that you didn't mention was that you add a lot of value and there's a lot of really awesome stuff on the website. Because I mean, if you had business savvy and the timing, but you didn't have the content and the information and things that people wanted to read about, there really wouldn't be anything there. That's true. Absolutely true. So the substance was my recipes worked. My recipes are great recipes that a lot of them in the very beginning of the food blog, they were recipes that my mom was dictating to me over the phone. And back then she was still in California. I was in Florida and the only way we could communicate was over the telephone and it was great. I would say, hey mom, how do you make your fried rice? You know, give me the recipe. She would tell me the recipe and then we'd test it. But you know, there was another talent that I have is I love to cook. I love to feed people. Love, love, love to feed people. So all of these things kind of combined together was what created the momentum for Steamy Kitchen. Now, you kind of answered this question. Was this all that you envisioned when you started Steamy Kitchen, like being featured in bestsellers, having cookbooks and all this stuff? This was something that you kind of hoped for, I guess, when you started Steamy Kitchen. Well, not that I hoped for. I was designing for. You know, a lot of people create business plans. When you start a business, everyone always says, create a business plan. You need a business plan and a marketing plan and a financial plan. But in all honesty, those are the most boring documents in the world. Business plans are meant for you just to put your thoughts down and not meant to really inspire you. But, you know, I'm a very visual person and I need something a little more inspiring than 49-page business plan. So what we did instead was we went back to our days when we used to do Tony Robbins. Actually, my husband used to work for Tony Robbins for like seven, a little over seven years, traveled around the world with Tony Robbins and was his lead trainer for the three-day event. So we went back to the Tony Robbins days and started creating a vision board and, you know, just got a big poster board, cut out pictures and magazines, cooking magazines, business magazines, and, and created the business plan out of that. And framed it, hung it on a wall, and that was in front of me every single day. And it was like, you know, you see something like that that's so inspiring, so specific, that evokes emotion of, you know, wanting to ignite my passion of cooking and being able to create a wonderful family business out of something that I love to do. And, you know, the newness of creating a food blog, it's almost irresistible. And if there's one thing about your mind is your mind hates to be inconsistent. So your mind is like sees that and it's like, this is what I want. And if I don't have that, everything in my mind just wants to say, okay, what do I need to do today to make that happen? And I think that was really a great driving force. I think that's totally something that not enough people sort of do. They write their thoughts down and they sort of journal it down, but then it gets put away and it's sort of out of your mind and you really lose that focus, that constant everyday focus. Well, you mentioned that you love feeding people and that you love cooking. 
Would you say that this is something that you learned over time and that you'd have to work on? Or would you say it's something that comes rather naturally to you? I think it's a couple things. One, I'm fearless in the kitchen. I love to play and experiment, and that's part of it. You know, cooking to me is not just about following a recipe, one, two, three, but cooking to me is about looking for a recipe that serves as the basis and the foundation that I could play off of. So it's a playful spirit. It's fearless, being fearless and being absolutely playful and being okay to fail that, you know, if the recipe doesn't work or just doesn't work, not only did I have fun trying this, but I also know next time how to fix it. And so that's one part of it. The other part was honestly in college, you know, after moving to my first apartment, I went to UCLA. And after the first year, I moved to an apartment with three other roommates and I was the cook. You know, that was my job. I would cook for everybody and they would go do groceries. They would buy the groceries. They would clean the apartment. All I had to do was cook. Really? How fun, right? So I made my way through three years of college just, you know, cooking for my roommates and friends. Well, well, you inspire a lot of people to cook. Who were some of your inspirations? Definitely my mom. Her whole life revolves around food. You know, many Asian families do. It's all about food and dinner table and feasts and banquets. You know, when growing up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. We always had hot soup every single meal at dinner. And that's my biggest food memories is we always had soup. And it's a wonderful way to end a meal and to start a meal, you know, something warm, nourishing, and just to cleanse your palate. And just, you know, living in the Midwest, growing up in Nebraska, there's not a whole lot of things to do. So my mom did a lot of cooking and she's definitely my inspiration. Have you had a chance to cook for her? And do you cook for her? I mean, she's in California and you're in Florida, but when you guys get together, is that sort of a time in the kitchen that you spend together? You know, the funny thing is, my mom and I are so similar in personalities that sometimes we clash. So when we're in the kitchen together, it's either I take her lead or she takes my lead. Like one of us is the leader. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But when we get together, I miss my mom's cooking so much. So she, most of the time she cooks for us. Plus, you know, we see each other maybe once or twice a year. And I, my kids who are 10 and 11, they're both boys, but they love Paul's cooking. And so they always want to have her food because they have my food all the time. So oh, Paul's cooking. I totally get that. When I was growing up I loved going to my grandma's house too and she made the best congee I remember so on the steamy kitchen there's a focus on Asian flavors and recipes for someone who has never tried cooking Asian food before and maybe intimidated or don't know where to start what would you say to help them pass that hurdle to try it well, I think there are some basic, basic recipes that just with a couple of pantry ingredients that you can buy, store in the pantry or store in the refrigerator, you can make so many dishes. And I call these like four condiments are the masters of Asian flavor. And one of them is soy sauce, of course. The other one's oyster sauce. There's fish sauce, and then there's miso paste. With those four ingredients, you can make hundreds and hundreds of dishes. So sometimes it can be intimidating when there are different types of condiments and ingredients that you're not familiar with. But if you pair these four basic condiments that you can you know just store in your refrigerator for months and months and months and then what I like to call the Chinese trinity the holy trinity of garlic green onion and ginger you get the really amazing fresh 
Asian flavor without all the other, you know, dried shrimp, dried scallop, things that, you know, my mom and my grandma would love to cook with, but maybe the mainstream cooks in the United States might not be too familiar with. I think those are more advanced. What I also like to do is to take familiar dishes. Like everyone knows what beef broccoli is. A lot of people know what sweet and sour chicken is. So how do I take that, some flavor that they're already familiar with and create a recipe that's so easy with limited number of ingredients that use fresh ingredients and vibrant vegetables and make it so delicious at home. So that's one way is, you know, familiar tastes, a couple of condiments that are everyday condiments that you can buy very cheaply. Another way is if I'm trying to introduce something that's a new ingredient like preserved radish, I'll make the recipe so super, super simple, maybe three or four ingredients at the most so that you're not too confused. The only variable is this one you know, ingredient that I've never played with. But I know what asparagus is, and I know what broccoli is, and so, you know, I'll try to make sure that I don't overwhelm anybody with too many variables or too many new things. That's a great idea because I think sometimes when we follow a recipe in a cookbook, it's sort of like there's too many things going on at once that I'm not familiar with. Whereas if we just introduce like soy sauce or like your kimchi grilled cheese, you know, just adding kimchi to like a grilled familiar grilled cheese. I mean, that's an awesome way to sort of introduce the family to Asian flavors. Exactly. So that's a perfect example, the grilled kimchi. You know, a lot of people have never had kimchi before. So you put it in something that's familiar and just makes it so less intimidating. Awesome. Well, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dinner dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? Sure. My mom's egg rolls, they're crispy egg rolls. The skin is very thin and it's almost like I say like shatteringly crisp. You take a bite into it and it just really just shatters in your mouth. The skin is so crispy that it's almost like brittle. It is so delicious. And the reason I love that so much is this one, my mom taught me how to make it. And anyone that has ever tried my mom's famous egg rolls always says this is the best I've ever had. You know, when we moved to Nebraska back in the 70s, my mom learned English through food. You know, our neighbors would teach my mom how to make apple pie and casseroles, and my mom would teach them how to make egg rolls and fried rice. And so I can remember way back in the day, you know, when I was little, you know, my parents having company over and we would make the egg rolls. And that's always one of my most fond memories is knowing that, you know, the earliest bonds that my parents made with other people in the community was through apple pie and egg rolls. That's kind of a strange combination, but it works, I guess, right? Yep, exactly. Now, is this egg roll recipe on the website? It is. Just do a search for my mother's famous Chinese egg rolls. Awesome. Well, let's say you were to invite three famous people over for your mother's famous egg rolls. Who would they be? You know, the funny thing is that's a really hard question for me to answer because I don't do famous people. You know, I don't watch TV. I don't really listen to the radio. I listen to lots of podcasts and I listen to, I do watch movies, but I really don't, I don't do famous people. To me, there's no value in just because someone is more famous or, than someone else. What's valuable to me are these amazing personal connections that we have with our close family and friends. So if I had to invite, I would love yeah, they were talking about just, you know, anybody here. We're talking about bringing back the dead, okay? 
But I really miss my grandma and grandpa from Hong Kong on my mom's side. My grandma passed away when I was very little, but I remember her through photos. And then, you know, my grandpa passed away when I was out of college, but it's been many, many years now. And he was the one, I actually dedicated my second cookbook to him. He was the one who taught me about the love of food. He would take me around to, when we were in Hong Kong, to out to lunch every day. And we would get rice bowls with roasted duck or barbecue duck or barbecue pork. And we would just sit there and enjoy our meal. And I would love to have them back and, you know, just to spend time with them because I feel like I didn't get a whole lot of time to spend with them because we lived in the United States. That's great. You mentioned that you love movies. Let's say you were to do dinner and a movie. What movie would pair well with this egg rolls? Like you would be sitting on the couch and there'd be a plate of egg rolls and you'd be watching what movie? Oh, we have to watch like Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. That's one of my favorite movies. You know, it's all about food, right? You know, when growing up, my mom used to always watch Chinese soap operas. And I could understand maybe a quarter of it. I only understand like the everyday Cantonese that you would just speak to your child at home. So I didn't really understand a whole lot of it. But there were subtitles. <laughs> I would read the subtitles. So I would love to, I think, you know, the perfect movie or soap opera series would be like one of those old Chinese kung fu movies. Watch that with my parents, my family with the subtitles and enjoy some food. The ones where the characters fly like from tree to tree and are kicking midair and stuff like that. They kick and they're like 100 feet high or they jump between buildings. <laughs> my brother and I used to play. Okay, now I'm bringing back an old memory. But did you ever used to wear those plastic like track suits that it used to be really popular? You had pants and they would match and it's a sports suit. Well, when you rattle, when you wear this big puffy thing, you rattle it. It makes the sound exactly just like when they're doing kung fu and they're flying through the air and so my brother and I when we were little we used to pretend we were jumping from bed to bed the couch to the table couch to the chair and make that sound and pretend we were like the kung fu masters yeah those movies were the coolest and even today like I don't know decades later I still remember them very fondly <laughs> Jaden you've written several cookbooks steamy kitchen healthy Asian favorites the steamy kitchen cookbook and an ebook healthy Chinese takeout can you tell me about how the books came together Sure. Well, the first book, The Steamy Kitchen Cookbook, that was when I first started the blog. That you know, I got my book deal. I got a book offer within six months of starting the blog, and that was amazing. And it took, you know, each of these big books, they take about two years to produce. So one whole year for writing and testing the recipes and photography, creating all the content. Then a whole other year for editing, layout, design printing, shipping, distribution, and then, you know, tack on another six months for promotion and media. And it's a lot of work. So I did that first book with a small publisher called Tuttle Publishing. They're, they're amazing to work with. They're very small, extremely focused on Asian cookbooks. And that was a fun experience. And then my second cookbook I did with a big publisher called Ten Speed Press. And I had an agent, and it was a pretty big production. That was fun too. But the ebook I decided to do because, you know, we live in the social media world, we live in the blog world. Like, if I want to post something, I'll write it and then post it tomorrow. And it was really hard for me to grasp a lead time of two years. It's really hard for me to create something and have the patience to see it through and to, you know, keep up the enthusiasm for something that's taken taking two years, two and a half years to create. So I decided, you know, 
I'm going to try. I'm going to try doing an ebook. And, you know, it took me about a month to produce it. And within a month, it was up for sale. And I think I had put in 15 recipes for Chinese takeout recipes that made healthier, made more delicious, that you can make at home, super easy to make. And I plan on doing a lot more. So, do you see the future as more traditional style cookbooks or more sort of ebook style? I like both. I like the immediacy of ebooks, but I love paper. I love to flip through the books. So a lot of times I'll buy both. You know, when I'm shopping for books, you know, I'll look for the ebook first and I was like, oh, I want to buy them, check it out. It's a very low cost. And then I'll, you know, if I really like it, then I'll buy the paper book because I like to have a library. I like to flip through, you know, my mom, especially like instead of reading books, she flips through cookbooks. So I like to have both. Well, I also have to ask, you were featured in Chris Gillibo's The $100 Startup and contributed to Tim Ferriss's cookbook. How did everything sort of unfold like that? You know, I have no idea. You know, the funny thing is I got Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Chef book, that giant book, and I have this book sitting on my desk, and it's so big. It's one of those books where you're like, oh, I don't have time to read it now. I don't have time to start it now. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And it's literally sat on my desk for like six months. And I finally was like, you know, it's been on my desk for six months. I should just open this book up. And I opened this book up. I looked down. There's my name. <laughs> so I had no idea I was mentioned in his 4-Hour Chef book. I don't remember how he got in touch with me. His team asked me to contribute a recipe for the 4-Hour Body Cookbook that was an ebook. And that was a long time ago. And it's also funny, once I saw my name in the 4-Hour Chef, I'm like, hey, I remember I was mentioned or I contributed a recipe for a 4-Hour Body. Maybe I should look that up and see if I can find it. And it wasn't until just recently that I said, like, oh, oh, yeah, now I remember. This is what I contributed. I've never even seen it. With Chris's book, I've known Chris for quite a while now. I first got onto his website. We met on Twitter. And this was, you know, in the early days of Twitter. I'm a big fan of what he does, his work. I was hosting another food blogging conference in Austin that piggybacked South by Southwest. And Chris was there. I'm like, hey, come, you know, come to our party. Come, We're going to have an after party. Just come. I'd love to meet you. So he brought... Jonathan Fields to my party and we just you know spent just a few minutes together because I had a whole ton of people there but that was the first time I got to meet him in person and when he went on his book tour the past two book tours he came to this area to the Tampa area in Florida and you know just hung out with him had dinner with him he interviewed me for his book which is an awesome book you know the hundred dollar startup is one of my favorite books of all time. Awesome. It's really interesting to sort of get a sort of behind the scenes sort of take on some of your favorite books, like The $100 Startup was one of my favorite books too. So good to know how it all unfolded. <laughs> well, I call the next part of the Dinner Special podcast, The Pressure Cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. Okay. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I know that you don't watch much TV, but... None. <laughs> I don't watch TV. No, I really, really do not watch cooking shows, especially because my world is cooking. You know, I can't do cooking 24-7. The only one I've actually sat down and really watched was the Pioneer Woman's show on the Food Network, but I was at her house watching her show. It was Nathan's 10th birthday at her house, and so I'm like... I think it was right after we got in a massage in the morning and then uh, turn on the TV and there's me. I'm like, oh, that's this kitchen right here. It was kind of weird. So that was the last cooking show I went and that was probably like three years ago. Awesome. Number two, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? Some of my 
favorite sites that I go to, you know, like regularly to rely on. And this is not, you know, there are entertainment sites and then there are sites that I just rely on all the time. Simplyrecipes.com is one of the, Elise is one of my dear, dear, dear friends. And she started her food blog probably close to over 10 years ago. Her recipes are tried and true. If you want to know a recipe for green beans or roasted turkey or mashed potatoes, that is a site to go to. I love her parents. They are amazing people. If I'm looking for a recipe, I'll go to her site. And then there are a couple of new ones that I'm just just enthralled with and one of them is called Lady and Pups and Angry Food Blog. She's Asian as well. She's Chinese and oh my gosh, she's absolutely amazing. She's got a recipe right now for a sesame noodle salad. The photography is just draws you in and it's just so much depth and everything that she does. I've never met her, but I love looking at her food. So those are two that I really love. Definitely have to check them out. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, or Twitter that make you happy? You know, the funny thing is, I used to be Miss Social Media. I used to be like the queen of Twitter. Like, I started Twitter early on, and I used to be all over social media. And it, if there was a food conference and they needed someone to talk about business and social media, they always called me and say, oh, talk about this. I'm like, absolutely. I can talk about social media all day. And then about a year ago, I decided I quit. I quit social media. I quit Twitter with almost 135,000 followers. Decided, you know, this is not for me. I'd rather spend time with my kids than do social media. With social media now, it's more of a tool for me as a marketing tool rather than a consumption tool. So I use those as business tools. I think I'm on the computer entirely too long already. So decided to quit Twitter. Use Pinterest if I need inspiration for some decorating idea. I use Pinterest to market Steamy Kitchen. They're a number two referrer for Steamy Kitchen. So I use them to make sure that people know how to pin and can pin the photos. I've never done Instagram. And with Facebook, it's more like friends and family and private groups. So I'm in several private groups and I host a private group for food bloggers for coaching. But really, that's really all I do. You know, my day spent hanging out with my family and my kids and quilting and knitting and gardening and just rounding out my life other than just being stuck in front of a computer in the kitchen. Yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. And social media can sometimes just overtake and sort of overstep that boundary into personal too much. Number four, what is something all home cooks should have in their pantry? You mentioned a couple of things earlier, like soy sauce, miso, oyster sauce, and things like that. If there was one thing that we have to have in our pantry, what would it be? Oh my gosh, it would be my homemade sriracha. It's so easy. You can make it in a blender and you can just leave it just like that to make some hot sauce. Or you can just put it in a crock pot or even just on the stovetop for 20 minutes. And the result is this rich, incredibly, incredibly complex, bright flavor that you can never get with something that you can just buy off the shelf. So I would say make your own. It's so, so, so easy. Awesome. Well, number five, name one ingredient you cannot live without. Okay, right now, it's not necessarily an ingredient, but it's something that I always have to have in my kitchen, and that's homemade beef jerky. I'm not a big breakfast person, and I'm not a big snack person, but when I get hungry, I have to eat something. And we've been making our own beef jerky at home. You know, it's always there in the kitchen. I eat it every day, and it's healthy. I cannot live without that. Great. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Cookbooks with 
photos. Like I said before, I'm a very visual person and I don't necessarily read, but I scan really well and I look at pictures. And when I've got a moment, I will take just an armful of cookbooks from my library, sit down on the couch and just flip through them. And just the photos just really inspire me and make me happy and make, inspire me to get in the kitchen and create something. And finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? You know, there's this movie called Big Night, and it's not even about Asian cooking. It's Italian. It's about a story of how these two brothers came to the United States and started this you know, famous restaurant, and it's a must-see for anyone who loves Italian, for loves movies, and that album from the soundtrack from Big Night is my favorite favorite because it's fun, it's lively, it's got lots of instruments in it, it makes you want to sing and dance, and it's just beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. So that's one of my favorites. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Jaden. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. Awesome. Well, Jaden, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. Now, you had mentioned that you're no longer really on social media. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you or keep posted with what you're doing on Steamy Kitchen? Well, steamykitchen.com, and then of all the social media that I do, the only one I really do check is Steamy Kitchen on Facebook. So it's a Facebook fan page. I post on there maybe once every once a day, once every other day, but usually I'll check in in there. But you know, I respond to any email that comes in. We have an email newsletter that I do send out once a week, and I love it when people reply and I get to know some of the readers. Great. Well, before I let you go, I have one final question. What's next? Well, we started, my husband and I started, just to back up a sec, Steamy Kitchen is a family business. My husband is a web developer. And so a lot of things we do, we do together. We work together at home. And so we started a business called Kitchen Table Mastery. And that's a mastermind program for food bloggers. We're starting with food bloggers at first, but we're expanding it beyond food blogging into any entrepreneur that would love to start their online business and build a business similar to what we have, which is very much focused on digital products, a lot of passive income, a lot of you know creating evergreen content that you create once and has a massive lifespan, a lifetime value. And, you know, coaching, you know, being an entrepreneur, as you know, it can be very stressful and very hard. So we combine that with our past eight years of experience in building a very, very successful steamy kitchen business and with, you know, our background in personal development and we combine the two and it's a very powerful group. We launched this about exactly a month ago, actually exactly a month ago, we launched our first group. We have a group of 22 people in our mastermind group that joined other membership and we've had some amazing webinars and digital lessons, video lessons, and it's just been so much fun to support and help people grow in doing something that they love to do. Well, congratulations. We'll definitely have to check that out. Thank you so much, Jaden, for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.